Welcome to It's Your Community with Vanessa Denha, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to It's Your Community. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here. Joining me today is Dr. Tiffany Sanford. She's the Chief Medical Officer of the Wellness Plan Medical Centers, a nonprofit 501c3 that delivers healthcare services to uninsured and underinsured residents at six medical centers across Metro Detroit. Dr. Sanford, how are you today? I am doing well, Vanessa. Thank you so much for inviting me to your radio program. Oh, pleasure to have you on and lots to talk about. So, Doctor, first give us kind of an overview of the centers, the nonprofit itself, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, So we are a federally qualified health center. Um, We've been around for over uh, 40 years um, providing health care services to patients who are underinsured and uninsured um, in the greater um, Detroit uh, area. Um, we have a multitude of services, uh, family medicine, pediatrics, internal medicine, obstetrics and gynecology. We have dental practices. We have um we have lots of different practices, so yeah. um, pharmacies, et cetera. And so uh, we're just you know, really here um, and available in the community to try to provide as many resources to um, the residents and support Detroit. So doctor, tell us what were some of the challenges you faced providing basic medical care during the pandemic for the under and uninsured? Oh, that's a great question. Um, we actually face a lot of challenges, um, you know, because there was so much um, just, um, you know, unsuredness, really, you know, fear uh, regarding this uh, pandemic. Um, a lot of people just didn't know um, what was happening and what was going on. Um, really had to make some quick um, um, decisions in regards to how we provided care. Um, You know, at the time, a lot of facilities were closing doors. Um, A lot of facilities were, you know, particularly hospitals were, you know, hitting uh, capacity with uh, admissions for COVID. Um, So what we did at the wellness plan was really try to provide as much education um, to our patients as possible, primarily through our social media platforms and through our website. Um, In addition, we also were able to transition to telemedicine during that time and begin to provide telemedicine services to many of our patients, which was really a godsend for not only our practice, but certainly for our patients. Because, you know, um, at that time, there were physician offices who were just refusing to see patients altogether. Yeah, that's true. yeah. So we were really happy to be able to provide that service to the community, um, be able to continue to um, provide uh, clinical services despite, um, you know, the inability to see some patients face to face. So for some of our services, it went totally telemedicine. For other services, we kind of had a hybrid, particularly like, for instance, like for our OB services, those ladies have to be seen. So we continue to provide face to face services for them, but uh, where we could do the telemedicine. How did that, how was the adjustment for you, your team, your patients for the telehealth and what type of services did you provide for telehealth? Sure. Um, You know, it was, it was a, it was a little bit rocky initially, um, but I had um, an IT department that really came through um, for us. We um, had to uh, acquire a a large number of um, 
laptops for our staff um, so that they could work from home, uh, determine which staff had the ability to work from home, primarily with, you know, internet access and um, telephone access. Um, we um, also um, needed to ensure that, you know, for our patients coming into the facilities that we uh, were making um, the appropriate arrangements to make sure that they were remaining safe. So making sure that we had screeners at the door, we were checking temperatures at the door and, yeah. and doing, um, you know, masking um, for our staff and for our patients. And then also making sure that we were acquiring enough um, personal protection equipment for our, our medical staff as they did provide face-to-face -face services. So um, it just, it took a lot of coordination. Um, it was a lot of um, long nights for me and my <laughs> support staff. I'm sure, um, <laughs> yeah. Lots of new policies being generated on a whim, lots of calls back and forth to other uh, federally qualified health centers in the area to see, you know, what they'd heard or, you know, how they'd been responding to see if we could kind of get some best practices together. Um, but, you know, we made it work. I, it all came together within about a week, week and a half or so. Yeah. So we didn't really see a, a significant slowdown. We were able to pretty much, you know, pull it together pretty quickly, which I was very happy about. So, doctor, tell us about what the response was from the patients during that time. Oh, patients were scared. You know, patients were really scared. We got lots of phone calls. Um, during that time, uh, we actually started a triage line um, where we had two nurse practitioners answering phone calls specifically about COVID. Um, and um, we were kind of managing, you know, trying to triage patients so that patients who were calling about just their routine medical care, medications, et cetera, weren't able to not get through because of the calls that we were getting about COVID just for information or uh, patients complaining of possible symptoms and not sure what to do. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, that's kind of how we managed it. That's the calls, the type of calls that we were getting, um, you know, some, uh, a vast majority of them calling about, you know, how should I handle this? I'm having a cough. I feel short of breath. What should I do? How should I treat this? You know, um, do I need to quarantine? Does other people in my family need to quarantine? Those kind of questions. And then again, um, those patients who were just, you know, needing their routine medical care. Uh, but I think overall, many patients were very nervous. In addition to staff, um, to be mm -hmm. honest with you, you know, I was getting a lot of calls and questions from our medical staff um, and our um, medical support staff, front desk, uh, medical assistants, because they had, you know, uh, real concerns about their own safety, you know, practicing in the healthcare field. Um, and so, you know, really trying to encourage folks to, um, to uh, you know, stay calm, um, really trying to educate my staff um, so that they didn't fall prey or victim to a lot of the false narratives and, and false information that was circulating out there. Um, and then also really trying to, um, you know, in, to, to make sure that they, they felt safe and doing mm -hmm. what I needed to do, um, not only as a chief medical officer, but uh, just as a physician to ensure that um, our staff were safe and that our patients were safe when they were coming into the clinic and that they felt like, um, you know, that we were taking all of the appropriate um, steps to make sure that they remain safe if they chose to see, um, you know, to receive face-to-face -face care. 
So we're talking with Dr. Tiffany Stanford, Stanford today. She's the chief medical officer of the Wellness Plan Medical Centers. It's a 501c nonprofit that delivers healthcare services to uninsured and underinsured residents at six medical centers across Metro Detroit. So I want to get into uh, the vaccine issue. And I know this is a, a very hot topic, very controversial at this time, too, uh, in terms of the people getting vaccinated, people not getting vaccinated, the risks involved. Uh, there's a new Israeli study that now says that um, there's a 13 times more protection uh, if you for natural immunity opposed to the vaccine. So how do you look at the data and the science that's coming out and decide what's best for each patient in terms of getting vaccinated? Sure, sure. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up that study. That study is not a peer reviewed study. Mm-hmm. Um it's, it, you know, it's very, very early preliminary data. And it's something that honestly, in the medical field, we can't react to. Um, at this time, what we do know, based off of peer reviewed studies, um, is that the vaccine is very safe, that the vaccine is very protective against not only the original form of the coronavirus, but also this Delta variant. Um, and so, um, with that information, you know, certainly um, my staff and myself have been, you know, aggressively trying to encourage our community um, and our patients to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's the best, um, you know, possible uh, way for um, the community to stay safe and to prevent them from actually um catching the, um, the virus. And so, um, you know, we're just continuing to encourage, um, vaccination as much as we possibly can, you know, um, you know, certainly there are community members who, uh, wanted to wait. They were unsure about the data, um, unsure about the speed in which the vaccine um, became available. Um, this is certainly the first time in, in history that we've ever, um, you know, had a vaccine come out this fast and also have, you know, um, you know, authorized for emergency use. And I could certainly, you know, uh, understand, you know, people's hesitancy in regards to wanting to to take something that they felt like, um, you know, was something that uh, did not have full FDA approval. But we do now have one vaccine, that Pfizer vaccine that is approved. And so, again, you know, we really um, at the wellness plan and again, me personally have been really trying to encourage uh, the community, my family, my friends to to uh, really consider getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Are there ever there are any patients, though, doctor, that do fall in the risk of, you know, uh, underlining issues that that may not be the best route for them? And is that something they consult with their individual doctors about? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very few contraindications to the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's um, I know that there's a few folks who may have had, you know, adverse reactions to previous vaccines, um, certainly in those t- in those situations. I absolutely encourage them to possibly to be evaluated and seen by an allergist um, to truly determine whether or not the vaccine mm. is going to be at risk to them. Um, no, that's but, a good point. An allergist. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. No. But, you mm. know, the vast majority of patients absolutely can take this vaccine uh, with with little to no risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I really, you know, want patients to understand that, you know, again, people have their personal preferences. You know, this is a personal choice, um, yeah. you know, to decide if they want to get vaccinated or not. You know, we're certainly not trying to force people to do something that um, they don't feel comfortable yeah. doing. Um, but, 
you know, certainly, you know, there is risk involved when you don't get vaccinated. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, many people in the community have passed away because of this virus, you know, people who decided, you know, that maybe vaccination wasn't appropriate for them or they felt uncomfortable about getting vaccinated. And unfortunately, they caught the virus and ended up in the hospital and it was just too late. Yeah. Uh, or so, they, we didn't have the vaccines. It's, some people died before we even had a vaccine, which is absolutely, sad, absolutely. you know, we just absolutely. We so, that. yeah, definitely. And so, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we really, um, you know, I try to be um, in my in, in not only professionally, but in my personal life, you know, try to be understanding to those who are hesitant. Um, you know, really try to address and dispel any rumors and um dispel any myths um, regarding Mm -hmm. the vaccine and really try to provide people with actual data um, that is based in scientific fact. And then again, if you choose, you know, to, you know, despite that, you know, feel like it's not the best, uh, you know, route for you, or you say, you know, hey, I've had issues with vaccinations in the past. For those folks who have had issues with vaccination in the past, I absolutely encourage them to see analogous. For those who just all, you know, just choose not to get it, Again, you know, that's their personal decision. Yeah. But, you know, generally, really that. do encourage that yeah. to get the vaccine. I really respect that, your your approach, doctor. That's a very sound, respectful, intelligent, educated uh, approach uh, to that uh, whole question of the vaccine. I really appreciate your, your input on that because there is so much confusion, stress, anxiety. I mean, this whole thing has caused anxiety and stress for all of us, right? Across the country. And it's nice to hear uh, an expert looking at this from an intelligent point of view. Um, Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges, doctor, do you see in obtaining the vaccine and the supplies uh, for those who who do want it and need it? You know, honestly, at this point, there really isn't um, any issues. Early in uh, when the, the vaccine was initially released um, back in um, late December, I know that it was in very limited quantities. Um, many of the hospitals uh, were given first access to it, primarily to provide vaccinations to their staff, you know, certainly because they're frontline. Um, you know, we don't we want to make sure that our nurses, that our physicians and other healthcare staff that are providing care to the patients in the hospital are protected. We don't want to lose those folks to the COVID, to COVID you know, so that they can't yeah. take care of us. Sure. Um, so those hospitals received the first um, first batches of the vaccine. Um, later on, federally qualified health centers and other um, either um Pretty uh, connected uh, facilities, um, you know, were uh, receiving the vaccine next, um, such as the wellness plan. We received it relatively early in the um, in in January, um, again to provide to our staff first, and then to community members. But now uh, the vaccine is widely available. I mean, uh, you don't need an appointment. You can go to CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, you know, any of those facilities. You can certainly come to the wellness plan. Um, we have multiple. Um, vaccine clinic days of offering vaccine um, to patients who either want to make an appointment or walk in for uh, vaccine appointments. And so really there isn't any barrier at this point um, to get vaccines. Um, You know, you just have to, um, 
just pretty much go to your um, either your your doctor's office or go uh-huh. to you know your local pharmacy in the area, and you should be able to get vaccinated with uh, relatively no no issues. So, Doctor Sanford, can you because Pfizer has been FDA approved, can you request that if that makes you feel more comfortable opposed to other, the other vaccines because it's been approved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh Um, At my particular facility, we um, do have access to Pfizer um, and we also have Moderna Mm -hmm. Um, at many of the um, the uh, commercial pharmacies. They Mm -hmm. actually offer both. Um, In my understanding, um, from some of the patients that I've uh, spoken to and family members that I've spoken to who've gotten vaccinated at some of these commercial pharmacies, when you're actually registering um, for vaccination, um, you can actually choose which one you want. Um, so, um, yeah, it's very readily available to get access to the Pfizer vaccine, if that's what you would prefer. So what are some of the other concerns patients have when they come to receive the, the vaccine doctor that you're seeing and how are you addressing that? Um, I think um, when patients come, they have some concerns about uh, initial reaction, if they're going to have an uh, adverse reaction to the vaccine. Um, Therefore, we have that 15 minute um, window where we um, do a little bit of monitoring of patients just to make sure that they don't have any initial allergic reactions to the vaccine. And, and, um, you know, we've given hundreds and hundreds of doses of vaccine thus far in the last six months, and we have not had a single person have an adverse reaction um, within that time frame. Um, you know, it, locally, people may have some local redness after uh, the the injection. Uh-huh. Um, it's common for people to have um, some low grade fever, chills um, after you know a day or two after the infection. Very common for people uh, after the vaccine, <laughs> not yeah. the infection. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it's very common for folks to have a sore arm after vaccination, all, all very common effects. Um, we don't consider those to necessarily be side effects. We consider those to be kind of a potentiation of your uh, immune system kicking in. So oh. with the vaccine getting, um, you know, entering your system, your body, your immune system needs to build a response to it. And some of the, as is building that response, you can get a low grade fever. You can get, um, you know, get the, the joint aches and things like that, but they're all self-limited, you know, after a day or two, they, they go away, you know, with Motrin and Tylenol. So that's what we pretty much try, you know, try to prepare patients, um, around, you know, certainly, um, we have, uh, at my facilities, we will have a, um, either a nurse practitioner or physician on staff during any of our times that we're doing vaccinations to make sure that there's any, um, if there's any questions or concerns that they can speak to a medical professional, um, and then we also, um, have after hour services. So again, if patients, um, have questions after they've received vaccination, they can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week and reach either a nurse practitioner or physician to ask any questions that they have. So Dr. Uh, Tiffany Sanford, is that typical reaction for any kind of shot or vaccine, like to have a reaction, uh, even when the shots children are given as they're aging, as they're getting older? Yeah, actually it is. Um, Mm -hmm. We see that with um, the flu vaccine a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Patients will say, oh, you know, I got the flu shot and then I got the flu. Well, you didn't really get the flu. (laughs) Uh You're having a reaction. Your body is is developing an immune response to the flu vaccine. And it may feel like 
um, you know, some, you know, mild or not as, you know, bad, not as severe symptoms, but, you know, milder symptoms of the flu, but they're very short lived and they self-resolve. You did not get the flu. You actually got, you just had a, a, an immune response, which is appropriate and what we expect when you got vaccinated. And so we do see that with some of the vaccines that people receive, particularly with the flu shot more commonly. Got it. So we're talking with Dr. Tiffany Sanford, a chief medical officer of the Wellness Plan Medical Centers, a nonprofit 501c3 that delivers healthcare service to uninsured and underinsured residents at six medical centers across much of Detroit. Now, recently, Dr. Sanford, there's been a lot of uh, pushback against the uh, mask mandates recently, especially in the school districts um, and mandating that kids uh, K through 12 wear masks, you know, for for all day long at school. Um, what are, What is your take on that of what's going on with that right now? Um, be honest with you, I think it's critical that the kids wear masks at school. And, and these are the reasons why. Um, children um, certainly are at, at much lower risk of having, um, you know, getting the, uh, having a virus and having poor outcomes from the coronavirus. We all know that. Um, and that's a blessing, honestly. Um, however, there still is a risk and there still are children who may have um, undue effects from the coronavirus if they catch it. They may be hospitalized. They may die. Um, I think that, you know, requesting and, 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 and mandating masks at, um, at the school, um, you know, K through 12 level, I think is an absolutely appropriate response to protect our children. Um, one of the other concerns that we have is, is that if children um, who at this time do not have access to vaccines are allowed to congregate in areas where there's they're unmasked, it certainly um, makes it, um, you know, an opportunity more rife for um, potential um, potential um, new variants to um, arise. And so the more um, that the, the virus has the ability to circulate in the community, um, the more opportunity for new variants to come about. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really, really important that particularly amongst those school age children um, and even, you know, even adults um, in, you know, closed, you know, environments that you wear your mask. Um, you know, I think that it's a small ask to ask of, you know, folks to wear masks um, in those types of environments. You know, this is not just about, you know, I, I understand people have, you know, personal, you know, their personal reasons for not wanting to do the masks, but, um, you know, really this is about, you know, community protection. And yeah, so, but, yeah. But what about, what about the, the, the argument that people say there's the, the children are not super spreaders. And so uh, they're not really putting people at risk. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. You know, children absolutely have the ability to spread the virus just as easily as anyone else. Um, you, you know, again, you know, children in a small space in a classroom, you know, kids are, you know, very much, you know, more, um, you know, social and, you know, they're in closer proximity to each other. And, you know, kids oftentimes are not washing their hands and using hand sanitizers regularly as adults. You know, again, this is an opportunity 
for um, certainly a, a pretty significant community spread. Um, you know, one or two children, you know, <clears throat> get infected with the virus can infect multiple children at the school, particularly with the Delta variant, you know, being um, a, a, a version of the coronavirus that is much more easily spread, um, you know, than the original variant. Um, so, you know, certainly, you know, for that reason, you know, it, it just makes most sense to have children masked while they're at school. You know, certainly the kids, the kids over these last two years have really had a, a, a massive impact, um, experienced massive impact in regards to their education being um, that they couldn't be in school. And so it's important for our children to come back to school and be able to be educated by their, their teachers and to have that social interaction. But we just need to find a way to do it safely. And the easiest way to do that is just to have the children wear masks. So let's switch gears a little bit because we've talked so much about COVID and, and we've been talking so much about COVID the last couple of years. Um, what other things should we keep in mind just to keep ourselves safe moving into the fall season, the winter season? I mean, typically we think of the flu season, common colds, the, those kinds of things prior to COVID that was our normal life. So what, what things should we keep in mind as we move into the school year and the fall and the winter? Absolutely. Um, just what you mentioned, the flu. I think that that's going to be the uh, big push. Um, ultimately, you know, um, coronavirus and the flu are, you know, both respiratory illnesses. Certainly, um, the last thing that you would want, you know, to have is both coronavirus and the flu virus, which you absolutely yeah. can have at the same time. And pneumonia. Is, People have had a, a corona and pneumonia together. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you really want to make sure that you protect yourself. So if, yeah. you know, um, if you can, um, and I, I absolutely encourage everyone <clears throat> possible to get the flu shot, um, each year, um, because again, if you were to catch, you know, coronavirus and the flu, it, it would be almost an automatic hospital admission. Yeah. And so we really, um, you know, I know, um, at the wellness plan, we, um, certainly over the flu season of, um, going from 20, um, 2020 to 2021, we had a massive push at our organization to ensure that, uh, we were offering flu, uh, flu vaccine widely to the community. We actually purchased some billboards in the city of uh -huh. Detroit to try to encourage people flyers all over our buildings. And we also had a drive through flu clinic, um, to, uh, ensure that folks, you know, could come get vaccinated after hours. And so we'll be doing those same sorts of um, activities again this flu season to ensure that you know as is you know as much as possible we can get the word out into the community that flu is very serious and it's even more serious with this corona um, virus circulating in the community yeah. too let me ask you this dr sam a couple more questions here why what was it about covid that caused a lot of people to get pneumonia at the same time you heard a lot i heard a lot of that people had covid and pneumonia well, COVID actually causes a viral pneumonia. Okay. Okay. So, um, so there's, there's, uh, pneumonia can come into two flavors. Pneumonia can come in a viral flavor or it can uh -huh. come in a bacterial flavor. And okay. so, um, COVID, the COVID virus actually is a virus that directly, um, impacts the, uh, the cells lining the, um, the lungs. lungs? Okay. And so, and then that can cause fluid, 
um, to develop in the lungs can cause scarring in the lungs and, and very much look like a viral pneumonia picture. Um, okay. Unfortunately, for some people, it develops into a, um, a condition called ARDS, uh, which is a, a more severe um, inflammatory response, uh, much more severe than pneumonia, which often then ends up in, you know, with patients um, intubated and on a vent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's, that's why you hear so much about pneumonia during this time, because um, oftentimes it's the COVID that causes that viral pneumonia. Got it. Got it. So uh, before we let you go here, uh, doctors, um, tell, uh, give us um, information of how we reach you. What, what else do you want to give out to our listeners here on It's Your Community before we let you go, Dr. Sanford? Sure. You know, I, I really want to make sure, you know, and, and want to let your uh, listeners know that, again, you know, COVID is a very serious uh, virus. Um Please, please, please do what you can to protect yourself. Uh, first, uh, first will be to get the vaccine. Um, if you have any questions and concerns about the vaccination, um, you know, please don't rely on you know news media. Don't rely on Facebook and Instagram for your source of information. Please go speak to your primary <laughs> care physician um, and get your questions asked um, and answered um, by a medical professional. I promise uh, us medical professionals are not getting any reimbursement <laughs> from the government to say these things. Uh, we don't get a COVID check for the number of patients that we admit into the hospital. Um, there is no benefit to us whatsoever for patients to get COVID at all. Honestly, it's a drain to the healthcare system uh, with having so many patients in the um, in the healthcare system who are uh, co- you know who are dealing and, and battling with COVID. And and really, we just I, you know for me personally, I just implore patients those who can please get vaccinated and if um you know and then also please you know wear your mask you know i know that um earlier in the summer cdc came along and said oh you know if you've been vaccinated if you've um you know you don't have to wear a mask if you you know you're outside you don't necessarily have to wear a mask and and that you know to a certain extent there is some you know um some instances where, you know, being maskless um, is relatively safe. Um, but for the vast majority of folks, particularly in a lot of these communities across the U.S. that have high rates of uh, COVID positivity, um, it's pretty much um, universal to be wearing your mask in, in most situations. So certainly, you know, try to wear your mask as much as you possibly can. Um, also, you know, make sure that you stay up to date on your um, your other health conditions. You know, during this time, a lot of patients, because of their fear of, um, you know, going into a healthcare environment, whether it's their primary care physician's office or even going into the hospital, have been very leery about seeking healthcare services, you know, when they're having other medical emergencies, stroke, heart attacks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, certainly don't um, let your fear of COVID per, uh, prevent you from seeking medical care. Um, great, great, you know, great point. Great yeah, point. many of our healthcare, um, you know, partners, hospitals, um, clinics, et cetera, are taking, you know, many, many precautions at, at a very, um, you know, high financial burden, to be honest with you, because it's not cheap to get this PPE um, to ensure that our patients, you know, as they seek um, 
medical services stay safe. And so please don't use COVID as a barrier to, you know, keep you from seeing your primary care physician or receiving health care services. That, that, that's a great point, Dr. Sam. Yeah. Great point. Dr. T- uh, Tiffany Sanford, thank you so much for joining us here on It's Your Community, Chief Medical Officer, the Wellness Plan Medical Center. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate oh, it. My pleasure. Have any questions or comments? Show topics that you want me to get to, get to me, Vanessa Denha. You go to Epiphany Communications and Coaching or find me on any of the social media platforms and I will respond to your private message there. As always, we remind our listeners to connect, collaborate, and to communicate with your community. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time here on It's Your Community. It's Your Community, a public affairs presentation of News Talk 760 WJR. Thank you.